Hey, podcast pals, this is Troy, one of your hosts for the Better Left Podcast. You know, when we started this project, the idea was to take the things that we had learned during the course of Sarah Smith's campaign for Congress in Washington's 9th Congressional and share it with the world. Now, you may be asking yourself, hey, Troy, what exactly did you learn? Well, above all else, we learned that nothing is more powerful than people. As individuals, we're only as strong as the community around us. We aren't experts in all things, clearly. So we turn to you, our community, to help recommend guests, share show ideas, to be guests. Or maybe you come down to the lab and you host your own podcast here on the Better Left Network. Looking to lend a hand? Here's a way you can help right now. Step one, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to us. Subscribe, give us all your stars, share a kind word, and then share it with a friend. It's easy. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. All you have to do is search for at Better Leftcast. We're everywhere. With your help, we can reach more people. We can open more doors for our sister podcasts. And we're really interested in what you think. You have questions, you have ideas, maybe a sexy compliment from me. I'll tell you what, you can reach us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. All you need to do is send a note to hello at betterleft.net. That's H-E-L-L-O at betterleft.net. We're really looking forward to what 2020 has to offer and we want you to be a big part of that. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. All right, folks, we are back. Uh, you're listening to the Better Left podcast. Um, I'm here with uh, my good pal, Corn. Hey. My other sort of good pal, Jay. How fucking dare you? I know, right? Um, egregious. Um, but I, we're also here with a special guest. Um, the other day, I was just kind of hanging out. It was actually late. It was too late. And I was uh, hanging out on Facebook. And I saw somebody engaging on an issue that struck me as, first, no way. No way. It couldn't happen here. And then as I started unpacking and looking at sort of the news and things based on this post uh, made by this person, it struck me as I watched sort of the social discourse uh, unfold that uh, this guy was fighting the good fight. Hell yeah. Uh, this guy's named Dave. Dave Up the Grove. Hi, Dave. Hey, Dave. Hey, well, Dave. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, I was looking. I, I love Wikipedia when you can look at it and you're like, Oh, God. American politician. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and, <clears throat> uh, and encapsulate that moment where you were in a big fight with, uh, with some folks online about it, a particular issue. Those are three big questions. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot. But I wanna, yeah, who let's are start you? With, who are you and why do you do what you do? And <laughs> Yeah. I like to think that my political work doesn't define me, but I suppose for purposes of this question, yeah. it probably yeah. does. I am an elected member of the King County Council that governs county government. And I'm from South King County. And before I did this, I was in the state house of representatives as a state representative. Yeah. Okay. And um, why do I do what I do? I think it is amazing to be able to have a job that basically allows me to try to make the world a better and more fair place and serve my community and actually have a career doing that. 
and uh, it's the community I grew up in. I grew up down in Burien, and so it's kind of amazing to be able to go to bat essentially for, I like to think it was my neighborhoods where I grew up. And, right. And uh, Here's ca- county government, I don't know if you want to know what it does. Uh, yes, right? please. Yes, please. Yes. 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 Because nobody knows what it does. No, no. and I was just going to say, <laughs> most of us know what state legislature does, yep. but yeah, sure, I mean, sure. we're pretty involved in local politics, and I'm still kind of clueless, yeah. so yeah. let's hear it. Um, I describe it, we do two things. Number one, we're the local government in areas where there are no cities. Right. It's like so, Skyway. Yeah, Skyway, White Center, Vashon, yep. oh, and sure. then you go out I-90 mm. towards the mountains, the rural area. So we do all the things a city does in those areas, the sidewalks, the lights, the police. The second thing we do, and it's the main thing, is we do the things that don't make sense for cities to do on their own. Okay. And our fancy term is regional services. And the best example is... Imagine if each of these little cities had their own bus system. Mm-hmm. Like Burien oh, yeah. had a bus system. Normandy Park had a bus system. Tech. It wouldn't work. Some things make more sense to do collectively as a region. And the big things are really not sexy. Um, the biggest bodies of work we have money-wise are wastewater treatment, solid waste disposal, um, running metro bus system, um, public health, which is hot right now with the coronavirus, public oh, yeah. health response. Yeah, yeah. And then the one area where there are opportunities to, I think, maybe work on issues that speak to my heart more is we uh, are involved in criminal justice for serious crimes. Like if you get arrested for a traffic ticket, you go to your local city court. Um, but if you get arrested for a felony, the county provides all those services, meaning the judges, the prosecutors, uh-huh. the defenders, the jails. Everything uh, like that. So for serious crimes, that's something we do. So um, there's nine of us. We're elected by districts, uh, elect every four years. And uh, how many years in are you? Um, I am seven years in. Wow. Yeah, two terms. Four, five, six, 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 seven, something like that. Mm-hmm. One of those numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's I have a there. really cool last name, so people vote for me. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, honestly, and I yeah. keep wanting to call you up the groove. I'm under no illusions as to how I get elected. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Having spent some time with you, uh, here's one of the things that I think is really, um, I think probably the real reason why you continue uh-huh. to be in the position is that I reached out to you that night. We were yeah. discussing an issue that we'll dig into. I want to unpack it after we sort of figure out what the heck you do. Um <laughs> But um, you immediately responded back, and, yep. and it threw me for a loop a little bit because I was like, how do I know Dave? How do, I mean, you know, we all kind of- I can't sw- even remember. I, I, me either. I mean, I, I don't know if it was, uh, you know, who knows? Yep. Um, uh, Facebook is, is wild. Yep. But what I, what I knew was someone was defending marginalized people to, um, you know- by and large, I would say 99%, at least by my count, uh, which was just a cursory look and then a quick sort of like what's going on in Googleverse, um, that there were particular people who were uh, pushing back on you, but you were diplomatically, but deftly direct, direct, <laughs> and uh, and it was um, it was very interesting. But then you responded back to me immediately, and you kind of talked a bit, and you kind of lit a fire in my mind as to sort of kind of how to deal with these things. Um, you want to talk a little bit about, because this kind of happened in your neighborhood, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Talk a bit about what you were discussing. Sure. I grew up in Burien and we have a Catholic high school in Burien, a Kennedy Catholic high school. And last Friday night, Valentine's day, I started to get messages from friends who were parents uh, or friends of some teachers 
um, who had shared a notice that the school put out saying two of their teachers had voluntarily resigned and that they're wonderful teachers and we wish them well. It just so happens that both of those teachers, um, one is gay and the other is lesbian, and they both had recently gotten engaged to their um, uh, same-sex fiancés. And folks who were close to the situation, you know, friends of the family that I knew, said they didn't voluntarily resign in the sense that um, maybe technically in the end, the settlement agreement might have included sure. that, but that they were forced out because they were marrying their same-sex spouses. And I didn't like that the church was sweeping this under the carpet. Yeah. And even though there was a little Facebook group had started at that point, it wasn't getting much attention. And since I have this cool job title, yeah. since I am an elected council member that brings um, get, brings me a little bully pulpit, and I might have had a glass of red wine or two at dinner that night, <laughs> I decided to share what I thought about it. And so I made a Facebook post that said um, that Kennedy Catholic High School Alert. had just fired two teachers for being gay and lesbian and why I thought that was wrong and, and so forth. And um, people started, you know, our Facebook pages are all self, those are our friends. So most of what I received is positive feedback, yeah. but the executive director of the, I think it's called the family policy council or some such thing oh, no. that um, got on there and promptly said, quit hating on Catholics. Why do you hate Catholics? And in a real flip and kind of odd sort of way, yeah, like, don't, like, don't hate on them. Yeah. Don't hate on them. And I tried to point out that ironically, nothing could be further from the truth. I'm, in fact, my argument is that it doesn't matter that they're Catholic. Discrimination is wrong. Whether it was a Catholic church, a different denomination, they're not religious at all. My point is that there shouldn't be a distinction that to fire someone from their job because of their sexual orientation is mean, unfair, wrong, regardless of whether it's done in the name of religion. And it seems to me like it's a matter of public interest, right? I mean, there's nothing more public than when you're working in a public space, when you're educating children, right. when you're doing these kind of things. Oh, absolutely. It's the kids that are hurt. I mean, obviously those two teachers, their financial well-being, but the students at school love them and, and yes. rely upon them as teachers. And what a horrible message that sends to the LGBT kids at that school. And there are certainly out kids at that school. Absolutely, there are. And, and we'll, we'll kind of uh, talk a bit about the their parents with some very strong emotional reactions, but the Family Policy Council is an organization that uh, basically they are conservative Christian. They they are pro family, which means opposition to same sex marriage. It means uh, opposition to um, LGBTQIA uh, adoption. It means um, eroding or removing all workplace protections. Um, abstinence-only sex ed, um, legal restrictions on abortion, and then traditional Christian gender roles. So it's it's all the greatest. Boo. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's basically one boo after mm -hmm. another. Yeah. There's nothing family, pro-family about any of that stuff. No. Not at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so you were having this dialogue. Um, <sighs> the, the notion that this was, what stunned me is just, <sighs> I kind of get in my little progressive bubble and I think about all the stuff that we're doing and I think about my friends who are who run the gamut of like religious and non-religious mm -hmm. and you know um but I generally feel free to move and be who I am um uh and here we have teachers being fired yep uh, what gives them what gives the school the power to do that there are there no protections right now for 
Yep. The short version is that um, the courts have ruled that the Constitution gives them that right, that the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights has been interpreted by conservative courts to mean that the government um, shall not interfere in the right of a religious organization to determine who their ministers are. And the courts have ruled very liberally, not mean that's not the right word, <laughs> very broadly, broadly, sure. broadly in who is viewed, deemed to be a minister. And so in this case, um, uh, I'm sure the Catholic Church views it with teachers. It's an easy argument for the church to make. They are in a educating, doing, giving religious education to those kids. And so courts have said that there's a religious protection under the First Amendment to be able to make those decisions free of government interference. In this case, also, there was a contract between the teachers and um, uh, the school that also would have pre present a legal barrier if they were to challenge this. Um, but um, it's frustrating because my, my first instinct to others is let's go change state law. Why? How yeah. come there's a religious exemption in our state law? And unfortunately, it's not as easy as that. It's uh, got to change the Supreme Court. Right. Because I was going to say there are a lot of states because federally there's a there's 14 protected classes, um, some of them being like race, religion, uh, national origin, age, sex, pregnancy, things like that. But sexual orientation is not protected federally. That being said, there are a lot of states who do protect sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. But even in those states who have taken those additional steps, religious organizations are exempt no matter what. Correct. Correct. Yeah. They're also in. Well, in, 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 many, in many circumstances, right. yeah. yeah. Um, likewise, they're exempt just because those federal protections are in place. Um, religious organizations in, in a lot of circumstances can fire someone because of their race, their yeah. age, um, their disability status. And there are cases moving through the courts now around people with disabilities have been fired from religious organizations. and. We um, talked a bit about this. What yeah. what um, what is the maneuver there? What is the and and then how could that have? I mean, and, and understanding yeah. that none of us are yeah. legal scholars, but yeah. we're we're pretty bright, I think. Yeah. I mean, at least you know. Sometimes. I mean, I know I am. <laughs> at least you two are. <laughs> you three are. Yeah. I'm I'm not so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not at all. I would have um, run on that campaign platform. <laughs> <laughs> Me not so much. Did I mention I have a cool last name. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. You're good. That works. So yeah, what's the maneuver there? What's the what's the I, hope? I haven't been read the exact cases, but yeah. the, what the I think one of the issues involved is who can be defined as a minister? How broadly right. yes, can, yes, can right. folks do that? Because I think in one of the cases, uh, it may not be this case, mm -hmm. but there was a case where someone was just a food service worker who got fired. I don't know if it's because they got cancer or had a disability, and they would normally be protected, but because they were a religious organization, they could fire them. That oh. you're you know, it's really interesting because I grew up in the church and it's that how the term minister is applied is incredibly broad in those categories. And it's terrifying to me to think about organizations like Hobby Lobby, who recently had a Supreme Court case rule in their yeah. favor where they could block contraceptive coverage under their health care. Right. Um, to just define everybody as a minister. They're like, oh, yeah, we're a corporation now. Yep. Yeah. But also yeah. we're a Christian. And so everybody's a minister. And so it's OK. It's freedom of religion. Don't right. interfere. But uh, so the the fiance of one of the teachers, they were actually speaking out about, you know, it's it's pretty messed up how not only that this is happening in general, but uh, think about it. There's probably teachers who are using birth control, teachers mm -hmm. who have been divorced before, things like that. This is far reaching. No, but what I'm saying is those teachers aren't getting fired. Nor do we want them to, but right. why is it this small section of religious exemption is being applied 
to discriminate against people based on their sexual orientation. It's not like they're saying you have to follow every single thing that is that's, fall- in, that's yeah. yeah prescribed by the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to play devil's advocate, sort of for a second here, like I do think there is a genuine interest for the churches and other religious organizations to protect these kind of things, right? Under religious expression, we don't want necessarily the government to interfere, but this seems to be a pretty clear case of like, yeah, we just don't like the fact you're gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not okay. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And so now my understanding uh, in reading all of this stuff, and by the way, right. you know, uh, Dave, I, you are all over the place. Right. I, it was in doing some right. of the research um, uh, and putting the pieces of the show together, like, right. you know, NBC News and like, you know, you right. are, uh, you're there, you're on right. the forefront, which is phenomenal i hit all four networks in uh, that week that ate up my weekend (laughs) no and that's what you're saying is that like you're using your platform to help these folks who are going through a really shitty time and you know maybe you can't change the laws necessarily but you're giving them that elevation and giving them that voice and so that's really great but can i make a point on that i also think sometimes politicians need to know when to get out of the way yeah and the energy and the leadership change is going to come from those students and those families. So I feel like I tried to bring this to light. Yeah. Use the access I had to the media to go deliver just real simple messages, firing people for being gay or lesbians wrong. It's no better when the church does it. Yeah. And now I really see this as a movement to be led by those progressives in the church. And the best thing I can do is kind of get out of the way. You know, and I think that that's fantastic. And and, and we talk a lot about leadership and, and mm-hmm. politics and who who are politicians and yeah. what are you once you step into that role. And, and we, we work with a lot of people who want to run or mm-hmm. are running. Um, and to me, this just shows uh, it's a crystal clear example of mm-hmm. what you can do as an yeah. elected official and the, the power that you wield. And then also the the wisdom to say, and now I step back <laughs> because you're yeah. you're really doing the work. You're not trying to we call it get important. You're not trying to get yeah. important. You're trying to get issues, you know, yeah. kind of uh, addressed. Surfaced, yeah, because yeah, yeah. the a classic example is my staff said, "Well, are you going to go to the big rally?" You know, the students did a walkout and rally, I and it. I started thinking like I'm the, the last person. I mean, in a way, like they don't, some politician. Most of these kids have never heard of. They spent all weekend building their signs and they did the organizing and it would have just felt weird for like me. And I'm sure they would have extended the courtesy and whatnot. And and I think, I think there's tremendous energy in letting those young people lead and and their families too. So you're, you're talking about the work that students and families are doing to organize. Uh, What, what does that look like? Oh, it's been amazing. Um, immediately the student response was one of outrage yeah, and also one of circling the wagons of support for the LGBTQ community in their school. And they walked out uh, the first day back after the weekend. And I think darn near 100% of the students participated, wow. according to students. Um, they walked on the archdiocese. Um, in the morning and then did a uh, walked out. What's also been exciting is seeing other Catholic high schools this week. Yeah, Bishop Blanchett and O'Day students walked out and walked down to the Archdiocese. And one thing that makes, I was particularly excited about, I work as a basketball referee. I, I like sports. When I was going through school, you had the gay kids and you had the jocks. Right. And it was, and it was not cool. Mm-hmm. 
that next, whole dis- yeah. yeah, that whole distinction is gone because, uh, for example, one of the, the teachers was fired was the soccer coach. Yes. Yeah. All of wow. her students, every single student on the team posed for a pitcher, all wearing their rainbow flags and holding signs. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, the yeah. women's soccer team. But not only that, the boys' basketball team. Yeah. During warm-up, wore rainbow-colored shirts against the rules, and the coaches wore rainbow ties. Wow. The men's wrestling team was in a tournament at Tacoma Dome this weekend, and they all wore Lancers for Love t-shirts with rainbows on them. And when I was going through school, the thought of like the, the men's wrestling team wearing yeah. gay pride shirts to tournaments with other schools would have been unheard of. Unheard of, yeah. And yeah. so it has just been unanimously, and it shows the challenge the church has. I saw some polling that showed, um, uh, this was national polling, and, oh, a majority of Catholics support marriage equality. Yeah. 75% support anti-discrimination. With young Catholics, it's higher. It was like 85%. And I bet here in the Pacific Northwest, it's even higher. Agreed. So we're talking about 90% of these young people. That's the future of that church. And so if that church isn't going to, to wake up to the, the modern understanding of, of an acceptance yeah. and just that. Now, as I understand it, Jay, are you, I'm not sure if anyone can recall, but there's been a, a recent, like, I, was it evangelicals that are now splitting into two different groups, one that's sort of, like, open to the gays and one that is, like, not so much? I mean, I think, I don't know if there's specific statistics on that, but I think one of the things that's really clear is somebody who's come from that community who's still part of it is, like, there's this real gap where people are starting to not want to hate each other. God based forbid. on right yeah. like just based <laughs> off of the fact that maybe you don't like to have sex with the same kind of people that I do right that's not a good reason to hate somebody and the thing that i find really funny about this whole thing is like one of the common arguments that the church gives against abortion is oh they should have just not done that in the first place they had a choice not to engage in that activity well it's just like Kennedy catholic had the choice not to hire these people they could have just not gotten into the situation, and now they're like, oh, just kidding, we have to abort their employment. Like, well, get the fuck yeah, out of here. Yeah, yeah, the logic doesn't apply, right? I mean, like, it, it, it's it's incongruous. The thing that's interesting about the, because the schools, it strikes me that the school is very upset or gutted by this kind of thing. Um, because I'm, I'm when the kids uh, kind of left school, there are banners on school building, like, it, you know, um, that suggests that there isn't a big move to sort of lock down the school and kids are in trouble. And I mean, am I seeing that wrong? I think you might be a little bit. Well, there certainly are supportive teachers and administrators. Most of them have stayed quiet. And I think out of, out of fear of retaliation. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I say you might be wrong is students were reporting online that after overnight, any of the um, pro LGBT banners and signs that had been up in classrooms and, and lockers and whatnot. Someone went through and removed all those from all the classrooms from the administration saying we I won't. Gotcha. So the administration is enforcing the views at the school. doesn't mean there couldn't be administrators who have differing views. I'm just like, it but, seems like when you see a group of kids leaving a building yeah. dressed in rainbow garb with the rainbow flags and then, you know, uh, no hate kind of stuff really prominently displayed on the building that, you know, it, it, uh, it seems like they're giving some space for that, but I, I, I think they might be, but I don't know if it's out of altruism or if it's out of concern about their own sure, public crowd relations. control. Yeah. yeah. Did you see the statement, the president of the school, not the archdiocese released a statement the other day, 
which also indicates that no, the school is not supportive of these teachers. It it was very duplicitous. It was yes, yes. It was. I mean, I it it was mealy mouth. Basically said, yeah, they they're out because they voluntarily resigned, yeah. and they kind of have to volunteer. Yeah, it was it was one hundred percent like. It was sort of that corny uh, HR stuff. Yeah, that, you know, exactly. right. Yeah, it was really cheap. Yep. 100%. Oh, the group that I was, uh, it's the United Methodists. Uh-huh. They're the ones that are splitting into the, we don't hate gays and we hate gays. Presbyterian wow. Church has had some divisions lately, too, in those regard. Yeah, it's a lot of denominations are going down that path now where they're having to do it. So I, I can't imagine working in an environment at a at a school where... You know, religion has always kind of escaped my, you know, sort of uh, understanding um, outside of the fact that just, you know, there are some precepts. Don't hurt people. Be good. Don't steal something about your neighbor's ass or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. covet them. Oh, the, the don't ass. covet Yeah. Damn Everything it. else is okay. Just not the ass. Uh, you had that you. one wrong. Damn, yeah, yeah. Really. It's okay. I'm in a lot of trouble. <laughs> it's okay. I, I won't to... tell your neighbor. <laughs> yeah. No, they want neighbors, that ass. They were fine. <laughs> Gross. Um, but uh, that that sort of when these kinds of things happen, especially in this day and age, I what do we do? Like, what's the yeah. next step? I think the students have it right, and their families. You, this is an education moment, and one of the ways you affect change is through educating people. At the end of the day, the power rests with the people, and you change people's minds one at a time and, and the leadership they're showing. But then you also have to go, okay, to what ends? What is it we're trying to change? Is yeah. it a law? And unfortunately, these religious exemptions, because they have been held as a kind of a constitutional right by the courts, um, the solution isn't going to come from changes in King County's laws or changes in, in the state, state of Washington's laws. It's going to come from winning court cases. And some of that or it's going to come from the church changing. And so I joked that really got two options. You change the U.S. Supreme Court or you change the Catholic Church. Right. Which is easier. <laughs> Those are both very daunting. Yeah. But, but churches do evolve and change. Other denominations have. And, and this is powerful to see families like this. When I know of many people. I know of families that have pulled their kids out of the school. People yes, who are going yeah. to go there who who... Instead, aren't having their kids. I'm sure people will withhold donations. This has got to be a PR black eye. I mean, yeah, absolutely. This, you know, you you don't get anything if you don't try. And I think this has the potential to be a movement that grows. And I actually think it might be easier to change the Catholic Church than change the courts. Well, and I think when you talk about those statistics of, you know, 80, 90 percent plus yeah. of people who support these ideas just reminding them and showing them that, hey, like you being vocal in your church and, and you pushing those boundaries and having those conversations like that is what's going to change this because there's probably a lot of people who feel like they are in the minority mm-hmm. of yeah. feeling that way. Yep. And so being open and bringing up that type, yep. type of dialogue, that's how you change it for sure. No, I agree with that 100 percent. You know, the church has a long history of being associated with fascist views and policies. Yep. I mean, you can read Chris Hedges book on American fascism. Mm-hmm. It was recommended to me by Jamil Suleiman, Seattle Jesus, by the way. Thank Love you, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and it's always been there. It's like, it's not so long ago the church was associated with white supremacy. Yep. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not so long ago. This is our chance to do better. Like, yeah. and somebody who comes Slavery. from the Christian community. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, isn't it time for us to um, closely examine um, what constitutes not paying taxes? 
Yeah. Yeah, that could be a thing too. Isn't for that a sure. thing? Can't yeah. we can't we decide that that's a thing? I'm gonna be real though. Like I am more concerned with taxing corporations first and foremost, and then we can worry about the other stuff too. But if you're running yeah. a church that is making as right, much like or those more, mega churches yeah. and stuff, yeah, like yeah. the Catholic yeah. Church, Jesse yeah. Planets, I'm looking at you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. three jets, maybe that's a little too many. Maybe I bet God said, I guess. No, yeah. so I think again, like if if you're within a religious organization, like voice your opinion or, you know, obviously running for office and pushing those those things is really important too. Especially so. when it's about speaking to your conscience. When yeah. it's about speaking to your what you value about value about humanity. But I, I wanna I I'll throw to you in just one sec. I just Dave, the more that I talk to you and listen to what you have to say, the more fascinated that I am. I'm I know that we, we we did a little unpacking as far as like what it is you do and the focus that uh, that you have in your current elected role. Um, can we talk more about you? Do you mind? I'm a politician. I love it. <laughs> yeah, Let's right. talk okay. about me. You're such a normal Look person. It's just yeah. <laughs> what about me though? Um, uh, so you grew up here. Yep. Okay. You went to where did you go to school? I went to Gregory Heights Elementary in Burien, then my parents sent me to Lakeside School in Seattle. And then you went to college in? Uh, University of Colorado, Boulder. Colorado. Yeah. Okay. And then you came back? Yep. And you thought, you know what I want to do? <laughs> Politics. No. Okay. So you know what I want to do is outdoor education. Oh. <laughs> and ran a summer camp that summer and had temporary jobs, and I found myself unemployed for living in a little dumpy apartment with a buddy trying to find a job, and a family friend worked down in Olympia. Were you a parks person or a, uh, outdoor, when you say outdoor ed? Um, oh, uh, it was a, a summer camp. Summer camp, okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Camp yeah. counselor. I, I, I did YMCA for seven years, ah. so yeah, the camp counselor stuff is in my blood. Yeah, this was Boy Scout camp. Ah, gotcha, cool. Makes for great stereoty- LGBT <laughs> stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, my first boyfriend I did meet at scout camp. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if we even said as much, but you are a gay man. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you. I have the gay. Yep. You have the gay. <laughs> <laughs> I too have the gay. Uh, uh, we're yeah. still working on Jay, but he has yet to catch the gay. Okay. I'm far too brainwashed out of this yeah. point. I'm 33. <laughs> true. True yeah. of that. That's true. Um, yep. So I couldn't find a job, and a family friend said they're always hiring young people down in Olympia. I had done student government and activism on sure, campus, sure. and uh, and so I got a job as a clerk down in Olympia, a temporary job. That's You fill the water glasses, you sharpen the pencils, things like that. I like to say I handled the budget, and then when I was done copying it, I handed it back. <laughs> but, uh, so it was very entry level, and I loved it. It was like being on a college campus, all these other bright young people, all this energy. And as my job was ending, there was an opening for the woman who was the chair of the Natural Resources Committee. I thought, you know, I wasn't ever really thought I would do this, but, you know, that's environmental issues and I'm having fun. And so I ended up working for her. She lost. I went to work for my hometown senator and did five years as the legislative aide to my hometown state senator. So Mm -hmm. when she left... I'm like, you know, I've been doing all the work anyhow. Right, you know all the stuff. Yeah, like, I can do this, you know, and so I I put myself forward and and got elected to the state house. It was some some dominoes kind of fell there. Our house member went to the Senate and I got appointed to the house. Right, right. How much of that is organized? Organized by me? Well, uh, clearly a lot of it, primarily, but uh, when those dominoes are, like, are they set up? Is it like, okay, you're up next and because 
think. It's it's very much an insider's game because yep. if there's a vacancy in the legislature, the the central committee, the county party of whatever party they were a member of, nominates three names to the county council. By rule, they defer to the local legislative district precinct committee officers. So my job was to get a majority of the precinct committee officers to vote for me. Of which there are three. We had, <laughs> we had, we had 65 at the time. Okay. okay. But I, for example, I knew my boss was leaving before anyone else did. Right. So I got people to actually go run. You know, you can, you can run for precinct committee officer. Yeah. You know, we so, talked about that. Corn was yeah. real yeah. into that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I stacked it a little, but I figured it's legitimate yeah. stacking because they're going on the ballot. It's organizing. Yeah. yeah it's it's yeah. organizing. It's organizing. So yeah. I got a lot of, a handful of folks. Um, and then I just did the old fashioned relationship building. I literally had a map on my wall and I started almost like a full, I knew I could rattle off by memory, these 65 names. Yeah. And I would learn, okay, and I would go to the summer picnic and I'll see a woman with a name tag and like, that's a precinct officer. So I would go sit next to her and strike up a conversation yeah. and find out what she cares about. And yeah, it, it was I, kind of fun. Uh, it was the most organizing I think I've ever done. Exactly. Well, and it's it's such a short period of time that you got yeah. to organize so quickly. But so see, I knew in advance. I had, yeah, I think, right. Yeah. So see, I got uh, to spend a year doing it. I helped with, uh, so I don't know if you know Hillary Morales. She ran for appointment uh, for Guy Palumbo's seat. Okay. And so we did all that Ooh. work of- Boo, yeah, <laughs> he doesn't like us. No, I don't. Know. We're but, uh, all blocked by him. It's yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, we did that work. Is he still of, an officer? He no, he's no, he a lobbyist for Amazon now. Yeah, yeah, yes. he's back so on the Bezos team. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. just like was, he just goes up underneath the balls and he finds his Bezos team. Yeah, he just like. Jeez. No, but uh, okay. So we have a guest. Guy Palumbo left to go to Amazon, and so then Derek. I think his name is Derek Stanford. Oh, yeah. I voted for Derek. Yeah, Sorry. so no, that's okay. So Derek Derek got the the Senate seat, yep. but then that meant that the House seat was yep. open. So it sounds like that was kind of the similar thing that happened with yes. you, correct? Yeah. And so with Hillary, we did that organizing. We called the PCOs. Yeah. We had enough PCO or PCO votes, and then here's what happened. Yep. Our one vote that we needed, the yep. guy passed away. Oh. Two days before the vote. Oh no! Right. Uh, well, was, I remember. Yeah, this. which like was tragic in itself. And, and I then tried also- to call and pretend like I was him, and I'm like, "Hello, <laughs> I vote for Hillary." <laughs> no, but uh, we uh, th- those PCO votes. We it was tied, and then uh, it came down yeah. to a second vote, and then the other candidate won by one vote. So uh, it really that yeah. organizing is some of the toughest organizing you've ever done because you know you're it's a very specific list of people you're trying to hit all those doors make all those calls do the the talks at the at the luncheons and all that sort of stuff so yeah um appointments are one of those things that like that is a really great way to get your start because it it, uh, it was i don't know if i could have done this otherwise right yeah i mean it's possible but once you're appointed you're the incumbent exactly advantages Yeah. yeah that's one of the things people don't realize is like the state representation legislature is very different it's not like when you are running for president right it's just like oh throw my name on the ballot gotta get everybody and it's a very different game and it's not even a ballot it's just like hey get all the pcos in a room and you vote and there you go like wow what i mean so people people gotta pay attention to when there's vacancies like anyone can step up obviously having that advantage that you did that helps i knew it was coming so exactly and then you would you say five years of working in that space like yeah i've been doing the constituents attending public meetings i got to know basically what i argued with voters is Okay, I might not be an expert in any particular subject, but I was an expert in that community. Yes, I knew the yep. community leaders. I knew what people were thinking and talking. It's where I grew up. 
and and then I had this cool last name. So yeah, right. up the grove is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. And then once you were in the house, I know yeah. we were talking a little bit earlier. Yeah. You weren't in a quote unquote progressive caucus, but yeah. you kind of did that organizing around labor yeah. issues, environmental issues. You want to talk about that a yeah, little bit? Yeah, we didn't have separate kind of ideological caucuses in the state house, but a group of us. Uh, had a lot of success by organizing. And I, as I mentioned, I kind of came out of the environmental movement. So there were a group of us that met regularly. We called it Green Beers, where we would meet once a week and talk about what environmental issues were coming through and how we could work together. And we kept losing on a lot of our battles where the, the Democratic leadership would still pass a piece of legislation, even though it had problems in environmentally. At the same time, we had a labor caucus of people who were really passionate about workers' rights. They met regularly. And they kept losing on some fights. Hmm. And we realized all of a sudden, what if we teamed up and we created a, we called it a blue green alliance. And we had enough members then that, and we spent, it was very difficult. We actually started making decisions together as a group. And we were able to hold up the state budget until they restored some funding for the state employees union and restored a bunch of funding for environmental programs that were cut. And it never would have happened if we hadn't have organized and built those coalitions between the environmental movement and the labor movement. Did you find resistance, was it more of a struggle intra-party kind of stuff or was it, yeah. or was it both? Did you have like, you know, yeah. issues with the right and the left? It was frustrating for our party's leadership. Um, particularly, I remember the chair of the budget committee at the time, her job was to get the votes together and put the budget. It was her budget and she wrote it and she was livid. I remember just... <laughs> Just the anger <laughs> and the mm-hmm. seething. Mm-hmm. Um, How very dare. Yeah. It yeah. was. Um, but, you know, I think people respect her right. We had a lot of allies. We had, there were a lot more progressive legislators, but willing, to, the question was, would you, are you willing to look the Speaker of the, of the House of your own party in the eye and say no? And having a group of us do that together, I think, gave us all confidence and the courage to actually stay firm. There were a lot of people who would advocate those positions. I bet... 40 of the 57 people wanted the pay raises for the state employees, but who would hold firm and not vote for the budget until it happened? And that was kind of exciting to get find colleagues willing to do that. I'm just going to say one thing, and this is the point that we highlighted on Sarah's campaign, and you just made it perfectly clear. Uh, You need those people who are bold enough to say no in the house because they are the ones who paved the way. They're the pathfinders. It's why we need people like AOC. It's why we need people like Bernie. It's why we need people who are able to just say, nope, that's not going to work for me. And that's why no votes on things like the Defense Authorization Act are so fucking important. But but the point being, too, is that, like, it's very hard for one politician to do that on their own. It's Mm -hmm. when you have the numbers behind you of movement or a coalition, whatever it may be, to where it's not just you saying, no, I will not do this. It's us saying we will not do this. And understanding how that unfolds as a constituent is probably pretty interesting for you to like if you have something you're trying to push or you have an, an issue that like you know we've got we're we're in a bit of a unique space because we're all sort of involved or engaged or like there are issues that we you know individually think are important but together we definitely have a united front um but this is a game that anybody can play right i mean like this yeah. is yeah it's or it's old-fashioned organizing yeah. and i think part of it is to not overplay, at least internally, for a body like the State House, not to overplay our hand. The things that we were demanding were things that we knew were reasonable and deliverable. 
we didn't go down. We're not going to vote for the budget until you all vote for an income tax. And so it's not like you're breaking <laughs> yeah. kneecaps and trying <laughs> no. to like you really were pushing some. We said how we and we debated that how far do we reach and we had just and, and we thought you know it was our first year. We set out some very easy to communicate specific goals that year. It was a pay raise for state employees. And it was restoring a bunch of key environmental programs. Not radical ideas. Yeah. Common yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. Real, and real fundamental. Things that would allow our colleague, just some strategy involved in it. Because if we overreach, oh, yeah. then we'd never get 50 votes for a budget from the other side. And so it was kind of finding that right kind of pressure points. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. What, uh, I didn't know if you wanted to jump in, but uh, what? tell me uh, a little bit about like coming to that one you know the the a couple issues like you know that's of all the things on the collective plate it was not easy because those i kind of described us as the misfits those of us that found each other yeah yeah it was some of the uh more colorful characters within our caucus um it's very diverse unusual group of personalities too and we did it through, it, it's time consuming. Organizing takes time. We would yeah. sit in a conference room at night for two hours Especially if you organize with a whiteboard. Organizers. Yeah, and trying to winnow it down. Um, we also were cognizant of our, one of the weird things about being an elected body, you all need each other at some point. Yeah. And we, we needed our other colleagues who were allies. So we, we were not interested in, in like blowing the place up in the sense of, of, Burn it all down. The yeah. system's broken. Yeah, yeah. It was how do we use our collective power? And so we kind of we got a vision first that we want to have things that are achievable, not fight just on the principle, but find, uh, you know, we'd have those fights long term, but in the short term. And we we realized the budget was the easiest target because the Republicans don't vote for the budget because that's the other risk. The risk with all this, let's say you got 11 of us were saying no on the budget. Leadership can start working with the Republicans and the budget can get a little bit more conservative and they pick off 11 votes and everything shifts to the right a little bit. So you got to be a little strategic about how you did. And so trying to find the right things to ask for. Um, But it was tough. It was just old fashioned, time consuming, face to face talking with people. So just out of curiosity. So I I think I am one of your constituents, Dave. I live in Kent. Um, Uh Can I ask you a question of just policy and kind of like these kind of things? So fare free transit is something that's coming and up in the discussion here. Yes. Um, as somebody who's a resident of Kent, there is no transit for me. <laughs> yeah. It's about a mile and a half to the nearest bus stop. So I have two questions for you. One, sure. where do you sit on this fare free transit thing? Yeah. And the secondly, like uh, just kind of public transportation in general. Sure. I think philosophically, I'd like to see transit be fair. I mean, fare free. I think it's our roads are, why shouldn't our, our buses be? Huh. Practically, I here's where the practical side of me comes in. I think it's gonna um, have to happen over time. For example, the first thing we did, we were one of the first major transit agencies in the country to implement a low income fare orca fare. Yeah, we just this last week, I think, implemented. And maybe we're voting on Monday. I can't. <laughs> I've lost track. But we're <laughs> uh, implementing um, uh, essentially free fares for very low income people. And these are expensive. That takes it just this very, the, the free fares for the very low income is, I don't know, we're fucking 10, 20 million. And right now we get about 35% of the funding for the transit system comes from fares. So it becomes a trade-off um, until, and we only have the taxing authority the state gives us. That was the quote, the legislature, you could have this choice of raising taxes. Yeah. Okay? At the county, we don't have that. 
we only are allowed to do what the legislature it's says we can do. So yeah. we don't have a dial to turn to replace that fare with a higher. But if Tim Iman's so to be believed, I, the money's all there. I don't <laughs> understand. No, yeah. I was just going to say, has the Iman initiative affected you in King County? Um, modestly. Yeah. Some of our state grants the transit system gets um, take some hits. We're looking here. Uh, I don't know when this will air, because, but because uh, it hasn't been discussed publicly, we are looking at the idea of, and it's shitty because it's the sales tax, um, is the only tool the legislature gave us in this case. We're looking at asking people if they want to raise the sales tax to fund more bus service including, and some of that money would go to paying for the free bus fares for others. But as a matter of just philosophy, I've always said that I, I view buses as part of our transportation system. Yeah. We're not charging people in most cases to use the roads, except some tolls. Why would we charge people to use this piece of the infrastructure? I just, if I just had to go right now and cast a vote to eliminate the fares, we're talking about a 35% service reduction unless we yeah. can find the money somewhere else. So it becomes a, a trade-off. Some good news for Kent. Yeah. We are going through a change in how we allocate bus service to make put equity more in the center of it. So lower income, more diverse neighborhoods where people are transit dependent that have not scored as high on our previous criteria are going to score higher. So I'm optimistic we can get more bus service in South King County. That's exciting. I mean, especially as a former, like, not, I guess probably not former, but as like a big environment guy, yep. this has got to be on your mind, right? Because this is- oh. Really positive. It's the best thing we can do to reduce carbon emissions as right. a county government is to invest in, invest in transit, get people out of their cars. And how do you feel about like the Green New Deal that uh, like Seattle uh, City Council, yeah. they're trying to pass yeah. other municipalities and, and folks like yeah. that. How do you feel about yeah. that? I, I'm not familiar with the details of it. The concept I like. We have something at King County. I, I don't know if it's comparable. I've, I've jokingly called our Green New Deal Ours doesn't have a sexy of a name. It's a climate action plan. Okay. And it's a document we've adopted that sets out, that I think is fairly progressive, sets out a whole bunch of goals and reasoning and targets and action steps. And it's, um, it's a living document. It was passed a number of years ago, but we're updating it to be more aggressive. And Do you call it the clap? Oh, <laughs> I could. Yeah, I, yeah, I like it. I like yeah. it. But this is a clap that we want. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Wait, what's the other clap? I always just, want to clap. I don't think you, we can talk want... about that with tape on this. Yeah. <laughs> no. You would need penicillin if you had yeah. one. Yeah. Hey, no, no, I'm allergic to penicillin. Oh, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, well, that's a good answer okay. for me, Dave. Like, okay. I appreciate it. And somebody who is yeah. in your district, yeah. like, that's a good answer. Like, I'm really excited to see more transportation, I will say that, because I only have a motorcycle right now. Yeah. <laughs> so buses are kind of cool. There's a new rapid ride coming. I don't know if from, it'll go f down through the valley starting in like Renton, Kent, I Auburn. just got the flyer oh, for the yeah. mail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it coming to Kent Station? It'll come through and then they're also adding 10,000 service hours to help connect people in the neighborhoods to oh, that. Yeah. So there'll be 10,000. It sounds like a lot. That's not a lot of service hours, but there will be this new rapid ride through the valley and then some new service hours to connect and, um, yeah, uh, and then there's the services that tie up from the home to transit, and yeah. I forget what the name of it is. Via. Uh, Via, yeah. Via, yes, and, and that's just like a test run. Is that yeah, it's got some issues with it, though. I mean, one, it public loves it. It's that last yeah, like mile. Yeah. But the reason it's cheaper is instead of using union bus drivers, we're using minimum wage right? service economy right. gig, workers. Gig workers, yeah. And so how far do you go with that? Um, there, there's a balancing act and, and some of it is literally in the contract to the bus drivers union. Cause if you think about it, we're contracting out 
public transportation when we, when we do yeah. that. And there's some real issues. So I'm I'm cautious with that. I'm, I mean, I think a pilot's fine. I think maybe you could set something up with appropriate parameters somehow, but I'm kind of a fan of the public services being provided by the public sector. I agree. And it, it's, it's the just, one thing that confused me about that whole arrangement. How can that yeah. be? Because they're not part of a union. God, that sounded very socialist, though. I'm just going <laughs> to... <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just... It's the same way with... I get nervous with private toll companies in the legislature. People, well, we'll just have some private company do the tolling. And um, it's one thing I learned from the Speaker of the House. You love him or hate him, but uh, he was a strong champion for public sector provisions of public projects and um yeah we see like i don't know if you've ever take away these little shuttles separate from via they're really popular i've got one by my house i, can I always get to, see them i get to light rail yeah they call them, it's a part of our community connections program yeah. in my yeah. town in des moines it runs through downtown and it's just during the peak hours but if there's no parking at the light rail of course so you need to get there and the bus service takes forever we have these little shuttles but again the reason we're doing it is that's probably someone making 15 bucks an hour because we contract with nonprofits. So a bus driver is a good union wage yeah. job with benefits. You can raise yeah. a family on it. Yeah. And then we do these other one-off programs using contracting with a nonprofit that's probably paying minimum wage. And so how far do you go down that road? You have this tremendous community demand. Yeah. Just as a, a larger picture thing, and we're talking very local here, but yeah. this is part of the Green New Deal's vision yeah. is actually to federally fund these kind of projects where right. infrastructure and counties, which by the way, are not currency issuers, cannot do this except by raising taxes they have to levy or tax or something to do that and only a currency issuer as in the federal government is able to just basically magically make money appear to do it yeah and going back to the tax issue so you were talking about you know the potential of raising sales tax yet again state of washington we are ranked 50 out of 50 states as the most regressive tax yep. system in the country um yep. and so you know we've been waiting for any sort of tax reform that has not happened um, so here in the city of Seattle, um, folks are trying to pass a tax on Amazon, you know, yep. one of the companies who's making billions of dollars in our area. Um, you know, I pay more in taxes than than Jeff Bezos does an effective tax rate. And uh, so, you know, people are trying to work on that. But now there's uh, efforts in the state legislature to shut those down. I've been um, following that. Yeah. How, yeah. How do you feel about that? I don't think the state should preempt the city of Seattle from doing whatever it is they want. Um, that's a no-brainer. The, on the other hand, I would like for them to give the county a progressive taxing tool. Yeah. So can, so can, yeah. So can they do that without a preemption clause is the question, um, because that would give us a tool. Um, I, don't, I haven't seen the latest version. It keeps changing. But essentially, the, the concept is to tax businesses that have high earnings, um, larger businesses that have high earnings. Uh, and the, and the, the money counter. in this case would go specifically to housing and homeless right. services. Yes. And, yeah. And, and there's the various proposals. Yeah. Is to actually pass laws that would prevent taxes from being levied on big corporations. Isn't that? Yeah. So if they could give us that tool without having a preemption clause, yeah. I think that would be great. I think we could. Uh, how, how much of a reality do you think that is? I think it's slim. Uh, my take slim, on, yeah. Because I think if you add, I think right now the progressives in the legislature probably are resisting it because they don't want to preempt. Oh, right now, no, sorry, there's not a preemption clause in the current version. So I don't think business is going to support it without the preemption, 
without preventing Seattle from doing it. I don't think you can get through the legislature have, with business actively opposing it. You add the th language that business wants that says, with his print, Seattle, then you lose a bunch of the liberal Democrats. So I think it's kind of yeah, in yeah. limbo there. Uh, I, it's easier to kill a bill in Olympia than pass it. And so sure. if you have influential members of the business community, even with Democrats in narrow control, there's enough Democrats that are sensitive to that politically. Uh, I'm, I'm sure those are your favorite kind of Democrats <laughs> <laughs> that, that I think it would be hard. It doesn't even take a it could be the speaker or the majority leader can single-handedly kill it. The chair of either of the budget committees can single-handedly kill it. If it goes through a policy committee, the chair of either of those committees in the House Senate. So it's just easy to kill something. And so if you have either the progressive left or the business community fighting against it, I bet it, I bet we don't see it at the county. Lori Jenkins is I, one of my favorite human beings. Yep. Lori and I, I, I cut my teeth volunteering for Hands Off. Washington oh, nice. way back in the day in uh in Snohomish County and um Lori was there just making it happen. Um yep. and then, you know, left at the defeat, you know, when, yep. when we lost, um, and then uh and then fixed it from the inside. Yep. I trust her. Yep. And not to rail too hard, but this is one more reason why we need publicly funded elections. Yep. Right. Yep. It just because, as you said, if business doesn't support it, why does business have power? Yep. Campaign contributions. That's it. I mean, you said it. Like, <laughs> for some, it, but yeah. they also, for some, they've won the argument with some also. It's for sure. For the, sure. I've talked to some local elect officials in my district that are nervous. I don't think they're worried politically. Yeah. Think about, they're like, we're so close to Pierce County. If we do this, then we're not going to get new development. And I, I think in that case, I don't, I didn't sense they were worried about campaign contributions. I think they just believe that argument that if you tax them they will not come you know here. and i yeah i'm so on board with that when it's the strength of an argument that supports a decision yeah. let's go for it let's hey, absolutely good, well it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but when it's simply just political influence then, that's it that's then, a problem right, right? that's yeah. a problem yeah. yeah yeah so i think it's a combination of both but it is mostly big picture wise when you step back it is political influence yeah yeah doesn't oh, help. Music to my ears, like yeah. you just said. Even if it's not <laughs> conscious, I think it, I think we feel it. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's on the left, too. I think, like, as a Democrat, I think, like, God, do I really want to get crosswise with labor? Am yeah. I, you know, yeah. that's a political decision. Shouldn't yes. I be thinking, is this policy in front of me the good policy or not? Right. But, but we all think that, as elected officials think that way, we worry about the political ramifications of our decisions. But that and, good old-fashioned building of coalition and yep. going out there yeah. and doing that thing. Um, yep. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the fascinating things to me. But you know what's interesting? I just realized as we were talking about this, I think I never think at all about Republicans in the context of what happens in Washington State State oh. Legend. That I mean, I oh. just very influential. Oh yeah, because you were in Western, right? And yeah. so yeah. yes, yep. But you think of it if you have a in the I don't know what they have in the Senate now. What fifty one forty eight majority or something like that? Yeah, a very slight Democratic majority. Yeah, yeah. and so if a Republican is willing to play ball, they can have a lot of Makes power. Right. And, and yeah. I see that happen where, and I mentioned that before, where if a couple members on the left of the caucus aren't supporting something, leadership will go figure out what it takes to get the Republican votes. And wow. so the end product might be slightly more conservative. They'll put something in there that's a sweetener. Yeah. And, yeah. Yep. and it's easier to convince them that it is to... 
to line up your votes out of your right. Yeah, that's, the, that's the difficult thing. It's why independents in any kind of legislature have so much power and people yep. don't realize it, but it's just they like, can move. Yeah. yeah, because mm-hmm. they can choose who to align with in whatever situation. So that's the vote you want. Like that's totally. it. Yeah. Because you can swing your majority, especially in like such right. a tight one. And so. that's what led to the blue green alliance is the center, the conservative Democrats had all the power. Everything we're doing, it was have to, well, you got to get to 50 votes. You got, if we want 50, we've got to, and so some of us said, well, if you want 50, you're also going to have to sort yeah. of play on this side too. And yeah, and I mean, do some horse trading. This yeah. is the thing that I think is super interesting. We were talking about this the other day, Troy, where it's just like this whole, why one independent can have so much power thing is also the reason why a party could fall in a day Yeah, because yeah. suddenly the situation could just flip, right? If the population flips, if they're willing to elect two, three, four other members, the party can lose control and you get overrepresentation. This is why third parties are so problematic sometimes is because- yeah. Uh, they can actually swing the entire balance of power over to say like strictly Republican. And you see that play out in France yeah. and in the UK, where yep. you know the whole the whole leadership thing can just crumble. And, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So this is part of our system is favors a two party system just for that reason. Yeah. But don't yeah. you think this now? It's a little off the subject, but I've always had the theory that even in parliamentary systems, two groups coalesce. It's the nature of a yeah. the nature of a yeah. deliberative body. You end up with two sides. In the end, yeah, kind of. I I, I, wonder, I, I like what, the parliamentary what, system. What so is the third reasons. side? Like, I mean, it seems always like it's a blend of. It's still sort of a coin, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, anytime you have a regional system the way we do, because ours is geographical yes. democracy, yeah, uh, you are going to get forced into a binary system. It's just it's the nature of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Political scientists have all done the math and the decision theory stuff the to show it, but yeah. yeah, it's how it works. Huh. But, but the power of independence, as you mentioned, I remember uh, it was not many years ago. I think I was there where the Democrats had a one vote control of the house and a state Senator Rodney Tom announced he was, I don't know if he changed parties. He just decided he was going to start voting with the Republicans and and the Democrats were in the middle of doing whatever they were doing. And he stood up or the Republican floor leader stood up and started making motions from the floor and like, and they pulled the Republican budget up. You know, so the Democrats have a calendar. They're going to work on transportation issues until dinner and then we're going to do whatever. And, one Democrat, team Republicans, they took over the, they obviously orchestrated all in advance Jeez. and they took over the state Senate. And for the rest of the session, the Republicans ran the show. Mm-hmm. One person flipped. And- well, and don't you think that kind of, you know, there's a lot of people who support the idea of blow, vote blue no matter who. Yep. Um, but then we see these situations where, you know, they are a Democrat, but we have these conservative Democrats who either, yeah, they flipped to Republican or they're voting and caucusing with the Republicans. Yep. Um so, you know, how do you feel about that sort of notion of like, do we support Democrats no matter what? Or do we have to have these standards and these yeah. quote unquote purity tests? Yeah. I think the answer is somewhere in between. Spoken like a politician here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. In the Nuance. sense that, that there, are, there are some examples. For example, in the state Senate, there's a guy named Senator Tim Sheldon. Um, who is a Democrat, but he really is not a Democrat. Like literally, right. he donates yeah. to Republican candidates. Exactly. He doesn't caucus. That's Shots one, fired. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's one extreme. The other might be someone from a, a swing difficult district who's maybe a little bit right. of a chamber of commerce who occasionally will vote their district out of like that. Uh, the, I think the bigger question is in those swing districts, can you elect someone who is... Um, willing to stand up for progressive values. I think the answer is you can. Yeah. And I look at Hans Dunchy mm-hmm. up north. He served in 
a district that was very difficult for Democrats to win. His senator, he was a state house member. The state senator from that district was a, a right-wing extremist. And Hans was one of the most progressive left-wing Democrats. And they represented the same district. And it shows that hard work, being honest about your message. Yeah. I think people liked, they voted for them because they were being honest and direct and they knew what they stood for. And the same voters voted for both of them. Yeah, no, I mean, I just got done organizing in Steve King's district in Iowa. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you would think that as a Democratic candidate, like door knocking there and trying to connect with those voters would be difficult. But the thing is, is these progressive messages really resonate with these people who are suffering and they have been fooled. <laughs> Uh, you know, by Donald Trump or by Steve King or these yeah. conservative narratives mm -hmm. to blame the people below them. But when mm -hmm. we actually take the time to connect with these communities, you know, explain that we're fighting for working class people, that we're fighting for their communities, um, it really can make the difference. But it's mm -hmm. just the Democratic Party for so long has said, mm -hmm. you know, this is a safe blue district. This is a red district. We yeah. need to start looking at all the districts as these are places that can be flippable, that we right. can represent progressive values. Yeah, it's really funny because I lived in Arizona for 15 years and Arizona senators were like John McCain and Jeff Flake, um, but also Gabby Giffords. Yeah. Right. And right. but they also elected Doug Ducey. Ducey. Sorry. <laughs> God, it just happens Weird. as governor. Weird. And it was funny for a minute. I'm like. Yeah, it's so weird. I just I mess it up all the time. And I'd vote for that guy. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, I'd probably call him Dookie. But yeah, he's always clean. Um, so statewide races, though, both of those, right? And a yeah. senatorial race and a gubernatorial race, like those are both statewide races, and they have these weirdly kind of like polarizing effects. I mean, and Arizona's a huge just shit pool, and so it's weird to me to see that. But Gabby Giffords is like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> But no, I mean, it really is. And But Gabby Giffords was like strong yeah. on gun control. Like she was really big on, she was a more progressive person. And John McCain yeah. was a more progressive Republican um, yeah. compared yeah. to some of his right. cohorts. Yeah. yeah, very true. Very true. Uh, he was awful in lots of ways. Don't get me wrong. I don't yeah. want to like who's, praise him. But who's the senator? Kirsten Seinma. You like then... people who aren't caught? Is that what you're... <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, that's very Terrible. Trump of you. Very Trump of you, Jay. No, but like, I can't remember the name of the uh, the representative, but there's a congressional representative who he has he's a democrat and he has said how he might vote for trump depending on who the democratic nominee oh, that is. was uh, west virginia joe yeah, you know, yeah yeah joe manchin yeah. yeah and so those are the people that i'm talking about Garbage. that it's like when we think of vote blue no matter who how can we support someone who is yeah. so yeah. willing to, to be clear west virginia was john justice too right their governor uh i believe that so, swapped yeah. from democrat after yeah. his election yeah. to republican yeah, so. so i guess yeah. when you get to the, and these are tough i think I think the Democratic Party is struggling with this yeah. question. I mean, and I define the party as the people, meaning the not, right. not whatever the, whatever the, the establishment. Are. Yeah, yeah, yeah but the, basically, <laughs> any of us who are involved in in progressive politics, you know, at the end of the day, you get a binary choice. Yeah. I mean, isn't it? I mean, there's no way around that. It's shitty. It's it is. But in that case of this Joe Manchin guy, if you get to a general election, he's on it. I think you look at the other person and you do the lesser two evils at that point. I just don't yeah. know what, yeah. what else your, what's your other option. So the question is, and something like that is, well, could you be successful running a Democrat in a primary? Uh, and is that the right strategy well, to the, go? And that's, and the question yeah. is why isn't the democratic party pushing yep. new candidates, progr more progressive candidates? And it's right. because mansion to be less of a, Republican. well, and it's that fear again, like you were talking about that in some districts is a progressive, not someone who can win, yep. but why, why aren't we at least, 
trying. You and know? I'll just say this. You don't have to opine on this, oh, Dave, because it's no, probably no. political suicide. But <laughs> I will just say, like, this is why I'm critical of the Democratic Party's position of compromising to the center is yes. because, you know, when we, when we move further left, when we start talking about moral issues, like people should have health care. Let's not compromise on this. Let's find that solution. Let's yeah. move toward it. I don't even you want force to... you force the Republicans to yeah. move to the other direction. Right. What the position is people shouldn't have health care. But yeah. it's a morally bankrupt position. It is, and you could go right for their base and sit down and talk and have the dialogue and have them coming out the other side going, uh-huh. Yeah, force them to get to that point. Yes. Like, force them there. But instead, we're like, you know what? Let's compromise. I don't Let's even just... like to even get into the conversation of the Overton window and the blah, 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 because I feel like that just pushes us away from the facts. Our people are dying. They can't afford their insulin. It doesn't matter. Like, to try to have the dialogue of, oh, no, no. We're really actually moving to the center, not to the like that just seems immaterial when you got real trauma and real people, you know, struggling to just be healthy. It's uh, ridiculous. I think one thing that we're seeing more of that I think is helpful is increasing the quality of the candidates um, yeah. as people are challenging, whether whether they're challenging an incumbent or let's say it's an open primary i don't know what it is it says something about folks on the left you get scrappier yeah. but sometimes um the folks with the moderate positions maybe have had leadership positions more leadership positions in the community maybe they have um yeah have some maybe some advantages there and so i think things relating to candidate training working with communications professionals play i guess playing the game a little bit yeah. In the sense of understanding political campaigns are an exercise in marketing. Right. And not being, it's not shameful no. to say, I want to be conscious of how I'm viewed by others here. I want to be conscious of my public speaking ability. I want ability. to be respectful of the group I'm speaking with and not, you know, yeah. step all over myself. Yeah. And, and so I, 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 I've seen in some of these local elections, at least down the South end, sometimes those with the, maybe the progressive values are ones I even identify with the most struggle to put their sort of fly by night campaigns or uh they show up yeah uh, there's oh yeah they, they fit the, well, they, or of... they fit the steer they fit the negative stereotype actually to be blind of, of showing of... up with the rumpled clothes and not familiar with local issues <laughs> sure. but want to fight the power kind of yeah, thing yeah, well yeah. and again, because we're we're dealing with working class people who yep. again like you said they haven't held these positions they don't have consultants telling yep. them what to do and things like that and so um you know, it, it's a bummer that a yeah. lot of people base those decisions off things like that. But having those resources and having those tools and people behind you that that can kind of clear that for you and, and help you meet those basics mm -hmm. is going to be able to help you get that message across. Yeah. I almost feel like the hard, the hard left sort of rumpled, crunchy sort of <laughs> like I'm going to burn this place down is like if we could actually get the working class constituent to actually to realize that they can step up and do the thing. Yes. I think we would find they're, they look less hard left or hard right. Yeah. I mean, like, they, uh, I would say so far left that they're kind of like, you know, sort of sit-ins and, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And I, I definitely think, you know, uh, protests and, and bringing, you know, speaking truth to power is really critical. But at some point, you got to be ready to play. you yeah. got to know, you got to understand the, the playing field. You've got to understand the systems that are in place to address the issues that you want to change. You can't just burn it all down. Yeah. And and I'm also thinking it's not even the people changing their views at all, but recognizing that political campaigns, there's a, I don't say it's a game, yeah, but there's, I don't know, I have a favorite a communications consultant. He's fabulous. He's, um, his name's Michael Shadow. He's a uh, communication emeritus instructor at the UW. Um, teaches... 
he's kind of his careers he's had a long career but he i mean he he like prepares famous CEOs for TV appearances and ah, he's an sure, expert he's sure, also sure. an academic one of these communication consultants very progressive um he's done a lot of academic work that shows that it, 80% of the conclusions someone draws about you are based on what he calls visual communication mm -hmm. cues. Yep. If you go in front of an audience and you give a speech, let's say two candidates, 80% of the conclusions they'll draw about you, based, about you are based on what they see. Of that remaining 20%, 15% is on how you talk, and 5% is on what you say. And it's a very cynical view of, of persuasion and politics, but there's some academic work backing that up. And so yeah. like when I ran, I was scrappy, you know, and he told me I needed to wear a suit as a young person. I was in my twenties. Yep. Yeah. Um, and you know, I shouldn't show up with a bunch of papers in my hand. I used to stand on the chair and wave my arms and get the meeting, you know, sure. and, and that kind of, I guess the science of running campaigns, I think as the progressive left, keeps building that infrastructure of campaign yeah. schools and yeah. trainings. I think that's, I think you'll continue to see more opportunities. Uh, oh yeah. AOC you, is obviously gifted, uh, just amazingly oh, yeah. gifted communicator. Yeah. Yeah, but, not but everyone is going to have that. Totally. Gift, yeah. yeah. Or that Sarah as well. Sarah's got yeah. that same kind of spark. You know, mm -hmm. I, yeah. it's interesting. I, I wonder too, if there isn't uh much like, so my, my, uh, you know, I call it my muggle job is uh, uh, working online, uh, building online communities around video games and tabletop role play games. Okay. That's what I do when okay. I'm not talking about politics. Um, but the gamer has developed a incredible like they, they've evolved. They get the industry. They know the thing. I feel like mm -hmm. do you sense and this is for really anybody, but the constituents. By and large, there are people who are just struggling to kind of get yep. through the day. But it's not like it used to be wherein people were just wildly disconnected because they just weren't aware. Um, people are trying to live and then people get a break for just trying to survive. But I feel like there's a, an evolution of a, of a kind of grassroots organizer that is a little more polished, that is yeah. a little more like, you know, yeah. ready to kind of play the game. But also, I mean, yeah. honestly, ready to burn it down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But the... I, I see candidates sometimes who are not successful because not of their ideas, but because yep. of how they run their campaign and how they present themselves. And yep. that's, that's <laughs> where I think I can think of a couple. I am yeah. two, <laughs> three. three. Yeah. yeah. Three. yeah. yeah. The other, I think the bigger challenge is, yeah, we have this community of organizers or people, but the majority of folks don't give a rat's ass about government and politics. And it's sad. Right. And if right. you went, like I'll be in the middle of some political fight or something and someone's like, are you worried about what people think? I could literally go in my neighborhood and knock on 20 doors. No one would even know that whatever dispute it was, was going on. Yeah. Most yeah. of them wouldn't know what county government does or no. who I was or whatever. And this is after being there and sending mailings, all this. Yeah. And so it's how do you communicate to an audience of people who have so many other things going on in their lives that are uh, that feel more important to them, and how do you get a message through? And You're totally it's, right. It's tough. Totally right. Yeah, there's some yeah. really good books out there. George Lakoff's The Political Mind is a yep. great example of one, and that's all based off of work by Daniel Kahneman and his cohorts. And have you ever so, read Drew Weston? I don't know if you've heard I have that. Not. Name. He's a, a brain psychiatrist who got into politics. That's and, usually where they focus on, yeah. Yeah, and all about the, how the synapses of the 
how words trigger synapses yeah. and associations. And yeah. Daniel Kahneman's work was on dual process, kind of theory. process theory. That's what I did all my graduate work oh, okay. on was that kind of stuff. Oh, so. brother. Yeah, I know. I know. Nerding out on synapses. But it's again. powerful. If you know it, it I, don't, I don't understand it all, but how the words you use can trigger associations mm -hmm. in yeah. people's and minds. The and the way you use them. And yeah, I mean, that's the, when you talk about yeah. AOC or you yeah. talk about, it's funny too, because a lot of what people get mad about Bernie, uh, they're like, ah, oh, he's always yelling. Yeah. No, it's my mom. Yeah. <laughs> my mom is the same. Yeah. Um, she, she, uh, is like he's a, got a rake and going to chase you off his lawn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Right. He's just yeah. so, he seems so angry and it's like, yeah, he's got some stuff to be angry about. He's been yes. saying this since the seventies. Yes. Yeah, you know, um, wow, this has been, uh, first, I want to thank you so much thank for you. taking time yeah. out on a Saturday to come hang out with us. Um, and TJ. And TJ. Love you your cat, TJ. Yeah, he's, uh, he is the, uh, the lab uh, tab. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, he's not really yeah. a tabby. I don't, I don't, kitty kitty. He's yeah. a big boy. And uh, Let me just say, I'm going to pray for him. Oh, please thank do, you. Please do. He uh, was diagnosed with, uh, we needed a little tumor. And yeah. uh, we were worried, but uh, that was two weeks ago, and he is eating all the food and doing all the stuff. Thank you for that. But um, I'm really impressed with your willingness to hang out and have the conversation and have the dialogue. I I, I was moved. I, I'm kind of the this year, 2020 is the uh, is the year of gratitude and yes and and how yep. do we amplify and how do we how do we you know connect with people who are doing a thing and say I'm here to support that and mm -hmm. and how can I help. Um, uh, that was really moving, um, and that's why I reached out. And then your availability and your yeah. your your candor and um, and your your commitment to giving folks um, like these teachers uh, a, a launching pad um, that's critical, and that's um, that's what we ought to be doing as people, but especially as politicians. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, one last thing, if you want to help the teachers who were affected by this, um, there is a GoFundMe set up. So we will be sure to have that link with our show notes. And hey, if you're a Christian, go out there and shame your brothers and sisters in Christ. <laughs> no, but like, don't shame them. But like, have these conversations. Because again, like we were saying, like a majority of Catholics believe these things. They have just been told they are not supposed to be expressive or believe these things. So be expressive, be open, have that dialect. All right, Corn. Yeah, yeah. That's the mature response. That yeah. is the mature. Yeah. That is a mature response. Uh, Dave, up the grove, not up the groove, but I in my heart, that's what I call you. I'm grooving. I've heard worse. Comes with yeah. the beat and all the whole. Uh, thanks again for coming. Um, uh, you know, you're now a podcast pal. We're gonna reach yeah. out, and talk to you in the future, and uh, we look forward to future dialogue. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Bye. Dave. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Better Left Podcast. This is Jay. If you're liking what you're hearing, don't forget to give us a rating of five stars. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button too so you can stay up to date with all of our new content. Thanks a lot. Your best don't sleep, just put in work and keep your breath on weep. Just know that you surely gonna be blessed. Even when you're hurting inside, just smile. Nothing lasts forever, only gone. Take a while, so don't wow. You will blossom like the lily of the map. Life is a test, don't run, just walk the mile.
on top of the world like a washing. Got a thing on our hearts, we be searching. My people that NASA, we ain't searching. But one's calling another's, one stalling another's. What really matters is our dreams, so they don't shut. Flip the chapter when it's on to the next one. Good old bank, composed of your own master. To see you. Thank God for my family. They got me empty, OD, and they got me empty. This is the moment that I've been waiting for, and it's finally here. Got me screaming out on top of my voice, saying, Oh, 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 yeah, 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 oh, 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 screaming out on top of the world, saying, Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Pull them down now So just go speed it up Well that's inside Let it out Just dream This is the moment That I've been waiting for And it's finally here I'm screaming out of my 